Well, good morning. It is great to be with you, South Campus, North Campus, to our online family, everyone. It is great to be with everyone as we do one thing. We just encourage each other. We're on a journey. Amen. How many of you have arrived in your journey? There you go. We are all still on a journey of becoming like Jesus, taking next steps with Jesus because we're confident those lead to life. You know, several years ago, I was in the Nashville area, and um, I went to a coffee establishment well-known in our nation, and just going to pick up a couple cup of coffee for myself, my wife, and went in, had to go orders there, and a person came up and delivered my coffee to me. This person was obviously a, a man, but he had facial makeup on, um, facial jewelry and things such as that. Now, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think anything really about it. I hadn't had my first cup of coffee yet. I was way away from that kind of stuff, and I was just interacting. And so he handed me coffee, and I said, well, thank you, sir, just out of habit. And he responded without a blink. He said, you're welcome, ma'am, and turned and walked away. Now, I will confess to you, it is very rare that this mouth doesn't have something to say in response to anything. I can't tell you it's always wise, it's always right, but it works this was one of the few times in my life that I was shocked into silence. You gotta understand that I didn't go in there trying to in any way try to create an issue. I was there merely to get coffee. Um, this was well before the issue of gender identity had become a big deal in our society. So it never really crossed my mind that that person on the other side of the counter might identify as something other than a man. I was just doing what I normally did in life. So as I left with my coffee, I started, feelings started happening. I will tell you, the first feeling I had, believe it or not, was gratitude. The gratitude was that I had my coffee before this interaction happened and he could not do anything to my coffee, like spit in it or anything like that. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, but after that very short moment of gratitude, man, I started getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And all of a sudden, all these retorts started coming to my brain. All these things that I wish I had said in a moment. And I was relishing the fantasy of ripping this person a verbal new one. You know what I'm saying, right? I am going after it in my brain, anger and anger rising up, when all of a sudden the gracious intrusion of God's spirit hit with a simple question. David, what do you think I feel about this person? And I couldn't help but begin to think of encounter after encounter Jesus had. Encounters with people like Zacchaeus. Some of you have been around, you know, well, Zacchaeus didn't have the issue we're talking about today, but Zacchaeus had issues. If I may, Zacchaeus was considered the worst of the worst among people in his society. He was a Jewish man who had become a political and religious traitor to collect taxes for the Romans. And the way the Romans allowed that to happen is they wanted to get locals who knew the people to collect their taxes, so they just allowed the locals to assess fees. Whatever fee you wanted to charge above and beyond what the Romans needed for their taxes, you were allowed to charge it. So you were basically allowed to extort your own people for as much money as you, was willing to, you were willing to take from it. To say they were hated was an understatement. When the Jewish people of the first century of Jesus' time wanted to describe the worst of their society, the worst of the humanity, they would talk about tax collectors and sinners. Now, now catch that. Tax collectors were considered so abhorrent 
that they couldn't even be classified with everybody else who was a sinner. Everything else we might deal with in our society, they were worse than that. They were a category unto themselves, the worst of the worst. One day, Jesus was traveling through a city on the way to Jerusalem by the name of Jericho. This was the city that Zacchaeus had extorted and terrorized for we don't know how many years. And Jesus looked at Zacchaeus. He was up in a tree because the scripture tells us that he was a short man. If you're used to singing the kid's song, he was a wee little man, which really isn't a very honoring statement when you think about it, right? By the way, it's interesting. It hit me this morning that that was mentioned in the story because we happen to know that people who are shorter in stature often take verbal abuse throughout their lives because of that, huh? Isn't it interesting that the scripture gives us a little bit of insight into a man's story because maybe understanding his story is part of what we have to have to be like Jesus. And so we would say this guy maybe developed in a Napoleon complex. We don't know. What I can tell you is this, is Jesus not only looked up and he spoke some words and those words utterly shocked the crowd. I promise you they would have been utterly silent because Jesus said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must, notice the word, Stay at your house today. He doesn't say, hey boy, we need to meet mano y mano. I need to straighten you out. We would understand that. But no, Jesus looks up and says, hey Zacchaeus, we're gonna have a sleepover. Get on down here. Jesus started, catch this. He started with acceptance. He led with kindness. He started his conversation first with an attempt at friendship. But that shouldn't shock us. That seems to be what Jesus did all the time when the scripture tells us how Jesus approached the difficult situations they faced. And make no mistake, everything we're talking about, Jesus faced. The Romans did it. The Greeks did it. Maybe to levels we cannot begin to understand. Were there a gender identity issue? Were there transgender? Was there cross-dressing? All that. Absolutely that existed in Jesus' day. And yet Zacchaeus was considered worst of the worst of anything that was going on in that day. But when Jesus dealt with these difficult situations. He still handled them with care because they had to do with people. And so the scripture says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have beheld the glory, the glory of the Son, as from the Father who came full of grace and full of truth. Isn't it interesting that it says grace and truth and not truth and grace? It seems that the order matters. It seems that as you watch Jesus, he led with grace without ever compromising truth. I mean, he began not with Zacchaeus' faults, which were many, not with his failures, not with his screw-ups. He didn't identify him for his failure. He started with a place of acceptance. You see, this act of staying at Zacchaeus' house was a prophetic act. It was Jesus showing Zacchaeus his value and worth as a human, as one made in the image of God, despite the fact that he had been a greedy little extortionist, right? Now, we aren't given the privilege of knowing the conversation between Zacchaeus and Jesus, but I would love to have been there. But apparently, they talked about things that needed to change in Zacchaeus' life. It appears they talked about sin and repentance, the power that God gives to all people to line up with what God has for their life because Zacchaeus, we see the fruit of what happened in his life when he stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I'll give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, which would have made everyone in town laugh, 
if, <laughs> since they would have been lining up for their fourfold restoration in life. But do you see it? Grace and truth. But notice it was grace and then truth. Jesus accepted people without affirming the sins in their lives. Let that sink in. Jesus accepted people without affirming the sins in their lives. Now, I completely understand. You say, David, if I seek to do that, not everybody embraces that. There are people who tell me if I don't affirm the choices they're making in their lives, if I don't affirm their lifestyle, then I'm not really accepting them. I utterly get that. I would bet it was true of Jesus as well. We're happening to see what Zacchaeus and how he responded, but I bet every response from people to Jesus wasn't that same kind of response. All we can do as Jesus followers is seek to be like Jesus. We must be a people who live our lives handling the people and situations that we face with grace and truth. Acceptance without necessarily affirmation in all the issues of life, including this issue that has become so prominent in our society today of gender identity. And I will confess on my first interaction on this, what was in my heart was not grace. What was in my heart was anger, even though I know the scripture. The scripture that says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. See, to be a person of grace and truth, but we want to be those who start with grace. I would challenge we need to be a people who seek to truly understand someone. And of all the people who should understand other human beings, it should be us because of our faith. Listen, often in the issue of gender identity, there's a question being asked. That you're going to say, I have no realm of understanding that, but you absolutely do. The question is, was I born in the wrong body? And what we can do is quickly try to answer that with truth instead of leading with grace and try to understand what might be going on in another person. I remember when I was a little guy, so we're talking years ago, like I was five or six, so we're talking five decades ago. I remember my mom gave me a copy of the Sears and Roebuck catalog. Now, you young'uns, you have no idea what I'm talking about because y'all had the Amazon and the internet and stuff like that. But back in the day, we didn't have that kind of stuff. And it used to be that the department stores would send these big old thick catalogs. And they came about September or October to get ready for the Christmas season. They had all these goods. They had pictures and descriptions and prices and such as that. And my mom wanted me to go through the Sears catalog and pick out a few items that I wanted from Christmas. And from that list, she would probably get a few. And the way she would purchase, though, was an old school thing called layaway. How many of you remember layaway right now, man? We did it. As I looked through this catalog, trying to get to the store toy section, I came through the section on women's undergarments. Now, listen to me. This is the Sears and Robot catalog. This is not Playboy. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be crass here, but there was nothing overtly sensual about anything portrayed in that catalog. I would challenge that most of the products were meant more for function than they were for looks. You know what I'm saying, right? But five or six years old, I found myself experiencing a type of sexual arousal from those images. I had never experienced it, knew nothing about it. I can remember it lodged in my brain. I, I was freaking out. Again, I'm five or six years old. At no, nothing at this point had environmentally awakened me. It was later that I was sexually abused by someone um, older than I. It was later 
still before puberty there was I was exposed too early to pornography and things like that, and all that began to exacerbate. But there was an issue in my life. It was there. I had this predisposition to perversion. And I've asked, was I born that way? And here's my answer. Absolutely. I was absolutely born that way. But it's not what you think it is. David of old said it simply succinctly surely I was sinful at birth sinful from the time my mother and father conceived me according to the scripture every human is born into the world with a sinful nature if you don't think that is true you have never been around a little kid no parent teaches their kid to say mine but it's one of the first words they have No parent trying to teach their kid to talk says, hey, say no. No, say no. But it's one of the first, they like, mama, dada, no, mine, right? You don't have to teach it, but it shows up. Where does selfishness come from? Where does rebellion come from? If we do not teach it to them, we're predisposed to it because of sin. It's the sin nature. Every human is born with a sinful nature. Now, that sinful nature doesn't cause the exact same struggle, the same predispositions, the same issues in everyone, but it does manifest itself of anyone. Like, I I know of men who cannot fathom the attraction of pornography, much less any kind of sexual arousal from, like, the Sears and Roebuck catalog, and I'm really going to date myself here, or certain issues of the National Geographic magazine. And all you young ones, you're going to have to look up what we're talking about there. Here's the question. Listen to me. As long as I can remember, this has been something that's been part of me. I felt it before actions had happened. If I've been inclined to something as long as I can remember, does that make it right? Does that make it moral? If I've been inclined to something, as long as I can remember, does that make it true? Our society as a whole would say no because we have parents who are trying to train out of their children selfishness. If our earliest feelings and our earliest dispositions are true, then we would just let them exist. And yet what we do in the early years especially, but throughout a a child's rearing, we are basically reframing their mind to what is true. Is that not the case? We teach them to share. We teach them not to rebel. See, just because a feeling comes naturally or has been around as long as I can remember, it does not make it right, moral, or true. Now, it doesn't mean essentially wrong. You say, well, how do I discern? Well, we believe as Jesus follows, there's a source of truth. That source of truth is what? It's a scripture. And so as we're looking at all these issues, we as a people who have grace for understanding because we understand sin, we go to the scripture and say, does the scripture say anything about gender identity? And I'm gonna tell you, it says far more than we have time to deal with today. I can only highlight for you the big stuff. I've left you some resources that you can dive in further if you want to do that. You're going to have to really look at this because it's an issue we face in our day. But I need you to hear, first and foremost, the Bible only identifies two sexes, male and female. 
Genesis gives us a picture of how God wired things. Before sin messed up everything, this is how God made it. It was perfect. It was beautiful. It was awesome. And yet the Bible says God made humanity special and unique from the rest of creation. Now you got to realize, all of creation is grand, good, glorious. It is wonderful. It gives um, glory to God in what it does. And the Bible tells us that creation as we see it has been marred by sin. Sin messed up what we see. I, I wonder what the Grand Canyon is going to look like when Jesus returns and our eyes are cleared of sin. I wonder how glorious it's going to be. But we know the Bible says after each day of creation, God would look at what he has created and say that it was good. And if the king of all kings says something is good, I would challenge it's really good. But unlike anything else in creation, God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In the midst of all that he created that was good, God alone made humans to be like him. They alone are the most glorious. I'm just going to tell you right now. You take any human being, take a human that by societal standard is the least beautiful, and put them up against the Grand Canyon and ask yourself, which is more glorious? Which is more wonderful and beautiful? And the Bible shouts again and again and again, the person. Jesus didn't die for the Grand Canyon. Jesus died for every human that exists, no matter who they are, no matter what they look like, no matter what their struggles might be. Only humans are created in the image and likeness of God. And the scripture, the scripture tells us that this distinction of male and female and living that out is a way we reflect the image of God. God could have made us sexless. He could have made us androgynous humans that brought glory to him, but God chose to make us how? Male and female. And there is something in each sex that conveys the beauty and the wonder of our God. Listen to me. Scripture only tells us there is two sexes. It goes on. Scripture doesn't consider sex and gender to be two different aspects of humanity. If you really want to understand, and remember, if we're going to lead with grace, we're going to seek to understand, you've got to understand these terms. Because up until recently, these two terms were interchangeable. For many of you, you're going to say, well, absolutely, sex is gender, gender is sex. And that was true. It was actually challenged first in the 1970s, just at a very small level. It's been in the last five to eight years that there has been a distinction that has been drawn that people will say sex and gender are not the same thing. So that's where you get terms like transgender. Transgender is this idea that I might biologically be born into a male body, but I identify as female. And you're going to say, well, that can't happen. You can't have your, your sex defines your gender, and your gender defines your sex. That's not true according to the definitions of our society. In the Bible, sex and gender are the exact same thing. Gender dysphoria is another term that people use to talk about the, you know, the the distress people feel when they feel like I was born biologically one way, but my mind says I was another gender. And I've been asked by people, Pastor David, do you believe people can really have thoughts of transgender, that they can have gender dysphoria? Absolutely. You say, where do they come from? Sin. Now, I'm not saying having the feelings or thoughts are sinful, but we know this. Sin, sin messes up the way you think. Sin gets us not thinking the right way. It gets us going the wrong path. It manifests ourselves in different ways. 
right? But it manifests itself in the fact that it tends to start taking us away from the way God wired saying. That's why we of all people should be understanding we get sin. We know what sin does. Sin confuses. Sin deceases. Sin causes people to think wrongly about things. Again, let me reiterate. A thought, a temptation is not a sin. Our actions or lack of actions, they are sins. When we step in our thought like well above, like our anger becomes just consuming, we can step into sin. You get that? But the mere thought, the mere temptation in and of itself is not a sin, but our thoughts can still be confused. Our thoughts can still be deceived. That all has its roots in sin. And I am confident, listen to me, I am confident that there is confusion, a deception when it comes to some people and their sex, gender identity. I haven't experienced this one personally. It's not one of the ways sin has manifested itself in my life, but I understand sin. I understand what it's like to have a propensity towards perversion for as long as I can remember and to understand the battle and to understand the wrestle. And I understand what it's like to need grace. I need grace today. I need grace upon grace in my life to be everything that God designed me to be. And we're all in the same place. Amen? But knowing we need grace doesn't mean we compromise the truth. The truth of Scripture is God created humanity binary, male and female. He created us to live out our lives showing the wonders of who he is by being who he made us to be. Biological females should show the glories of God by being a female. Biological men should show the glory of God by being a man. Now, listen to me. I do think we have narrowed the expressions of manhood and womanhood way too narrow according to Scripture. Like, we contend to think, let's be honest, that if you're a man... A man of God, you're going to want to hunt and drive a truck. And that is ludicrous according to the Bible. The Bible say artists and musicians and craftsmen all can show the wonders of being a man of God. Women in the scripture, they're praised for having babies. They're also praised for being an army general who led the children of Israel into a place of battle. When a man wouldn't step up and be who he was supposed to be, a woman stepped up and did and brought victory. Read about the woman of Proverbs 31. She was an entrepreneur. She got up early. She was buying and selling. She was doing business. She was doing all sorts of stuff. All I'm telling you is we got to broaden a little bit that our expressions of womanhood, our expressions of manhood are broader than we contend to make them me. But however, we don't abandon the truth that our sex, our gender are, are the same and that part of my calling is to reflect the glory of God by being a man. If you're a woman, by being a woman. I know things are confused and I want you to listen to me. Things are gonna continue to get more and more confusing in our society. As we stray away from the ways of God, more confusion is going to come. Like the word gender. This word gender is almost impossible to, identify, uh, to define right now in our society. Facebook lists 71 gender options from which you can choose right now to identify yourself. Tumblr lists 117. I don't know what the gaps are. 
I don't know how they form, but actually some people say there's an infinite range of how you can identify yourself. And it's not only becoming issues of gender, it's actually becoming, believe it or not, an issue of species. There's actually a move right now, it's about to become pretty big, called trans-species. Or trans, or basically, you're saying, now David, are you saying what I think you're saying, that there are people who are identifying as other than human? Absolutely. The big one are called furries. Now, I'm not saying it's a huge number. I'm just saying the biggest group among the subset are called furries. They identify as cats. And there's so many jokes going through my brain right now <laughs> that I would not do in this one. I want you to hear, I need you to stop and really listen to me. This is the natural outgrowth of relativistic truth. Relativistic truth says that truth is not determined by an outside source that's applicable to all humans at all times and all places. Relativistic truth says each, each individual can define their truth. And so we, we like to use the phrase when we're talking about something like moral, we'll say something like stealing. Well, stealing may be wrong for you, but it may not be wrong for me. That may be true for you, but that's not true for me. Now the idea of relativistic truth isn't just hitting the issue of theology or morality. It's actually going against science. Because I can become transspecies. I can become transgender. It is the natural outgrowth of relativism here. See, I know this seems really shocking, but it really shouldn't shock us. Did we not think stuff like this was coming? And the more we remove ourselves from the source of truth, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's a way God made things. We, we, we see it. And what we want to do in grace is call people back to the way God designed things. Because when we live according to the way God designed things, life has a tendency to work and bring abundance. I'm not saying it's not going to always be easy, but I'm saying it's going to lead to abundance. And then, in the life that is to come, everything our hearts long for will be found. But as our society removes itself from our creator, we're finding these things that seem almost ludicrous. It shouldn't shock us that the enemy is attacking humanity this way. One of the base needs of every human is identity. We need acceptance, we need identity, we need purpose, we need security. Those are the four basic needs social scientists say. I would say identity is right up there at the top of that list. People all over are asking the question, who am I? Who am I? We are intended to find our identity connected to our creator, connected to our God. Our design as humans is to identify as a son or daughter of the king. That's what Jesus came for us to happen. But if we remove that, that the enemy just begins to hit at this foundational level and things become confused. I mean, confused at ways that we never thought. It feels like the confusion is accelerating right now. And the truth is, it is, and it's going to continue. But we get it. We get it because we know that there's a thing called sin, that's why we are who we are. We are people who lead with grace but hold to truth. The truth of Scripture, a third thing you need to know. The Bible consistently prohibits crossing gender boundaries. Men are supposed to be those who identify as men and live as men of God. Women are to be those who live as women, identify as women, and live as women of God. One author says it. 
For instance, scripture prohibits cross-dressing, condemns men who fundamentally confuse gender distinctions, upholds culturally appropriate expressions of gender difference, and critiques cultic practices that blur gender distinctions. In fact, 1 Corinthians 1, 2 through 26 assumes the male-female binary is part of the way God made everything. Listen to me. Jesus came so that everyone could be free. Say free. Free from confusion. Free from deception. Free from sin, no matter how it's manifesting in our lives. That is why Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. And he calls us, who are we to be? People of grace, people of truth. Grace and truth are necessary for real freedom. God's kindness, God's grace is intended to lead you to repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is recognizing that in the way I think, in the way I act, I'm not lining up with the ways of God. It means I turn and I go the other direction and I begin to line myself up with the truth of God. And when we line ourselves up with the truth of God, we know it deep within, the truth will do what? Set you Free. Free in the Bible doesn't mean I do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. That's actually sin. Free in the scripture means a power to live as God designed us to be. To live as a man, to live as a woman who knows that through Jesus, I am a son. I am a daughter of the Almighty. I'm a girl, but I identified as a transgender male for years, um, and I was on hormones, and now I identify as a child of God, and I just want to let you know a short version of how this happened. So, uh, early December in 2020, I found one of my great-grandma's old gospel songs because I moved into her house after she passed away. I kind of inherited it. Anyways, one of the lines in the song says, uh, God's working all things out for your good if you'd only trust him like you should. And I was like, haha, man, all like, that's funny. Um, whatever. And then later on, I kind of felt like it was a sign that I should start praying again. So I kind of started praying on and off. Flash forward to late December 2020. Um, my, my job closed down for two weeks because of Christmas. And I wasn't going to get paid because I didn't have enough leave built up. My buddy texted me out of the blue asking me if I would come and work with him and pick uh, water leaves off of marijuana plants. And I said, yes, of course, I need money. You're going to pay me. Perfect. I can come do that. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in a grow house or anything like that, but uh, it's very loud because of the white noise uh, from the fans and the buzzing of the lights and everything else. So whenever we're in there, we can't really like talk back and forth. So I decided that I would pray. And I was like, okay, well... God, thank you for this job that I have um, right now when I wasn't going to get paid for my other job. And 15, 20 minutes later goes by, um, and I still can't talk to anybody, so I decide to pray again. And I'm like, God, thank you for my family, because I hadn't had them for uh, years because I didn't agree with my life choices and whatnot. Um, but they had recently, like we had recently reconnected. I had not made any changes. I was still going by the name Matt, or Matt slash Matthew. Um, I was still on hormones, and I was engaged to a woman, but they started treating me like a normal human being. Anyways, so I asked God, I was like, how did that happen? 
like how did it go from them never wanting me to be around them, not wanting me to see my siblings, to now inviting me and my fiance over. Um, they let us live in an RV in their driveway whenever we didn't have a place to stay. Um, anyways, long story short, I asked God how that happened. And I, I, I promise you, it's like I heard the voice of God and he said, I gave them the spirit of love and I said, what does that mean? I was like, what in the world did I just like, what is going on? It was like a subconscious thought that was not my subconscious. It wasn't like a big booming voice, but he said, I gave them the spirit of love and I have that same spirit of love if you would quit running from it. And that moment, I knew that I was going to detransition and I knew that I was gonna break off my engagement. And since I made those flips, God has given me the desire of my heart and the desire of my heart was for me to accept myself. And I thought I was only gonna be able to do that through hormones and surgeries, but he gave me that desire of my heart to accept myself the exact way he created me as a female. So that story's not a story from us. It's a social media story. Maybe you've seen it. Um, it's actually been trying to be pushed off and things like that. Um, my understanding is it's a couple of years old and now um, Maddie is living as she's supposed to live. She is showing herself to be a, a woman. I, my understanding is right. She's actually had a baby and is living as a mother. Grace, then truth. Did you hear it? I understand it brings up a lot of questions. And some of you are looking at your clock and saying, hey, you didn't answer a lot of questions. I want answered, big boy. I understand. That's why I left you the resources. Have at it. It's like, what do I call people? I don't have that one figured out yet. People actually debate it. Christians, I mean, God-fearing people debate that one. Some say, man, if, well, if we lean into grace, then we do this. And some say, well, but then if we do this, it's it's too much this we need to be truthful and you're going to have to you're going to have to press into the spirit of God I, I'm becoming pretty convinced for me if this happens it's going to depend on the situation that I'm probably going to approach the situations differently depending on who it is but you'll have to decide that some of you are asking about like legal stuff because that's that's what does all this stuff we, we, we don't think rightly because we're letting the news dictate everything and I know laws matter and we're going to talk about that in the time of politics, okay? We'll talk about laws and all that, but I'll just say for now, I am utterly confident we have to contend for laws that protect our kids. I'm absolutely confident of it, but I'll, I'll dive into that a little bit more uh, in the days to come. What I do want to say is this. If you, someone in your family, one of your kids, because someone is wrestling in this arena. I read a story this week that broke my heart. It just literally broke my heart that a young girl in her early teens was wrestling with this sense of identity that she felt like she was a male, even though her body said she was a female. And she supposedly went and talked to the pastor of her church. And her pastor didn't say a word. He just stood up and escorted her to the door. And ask her not to come back. That will not be this place. We will wrestle. Guys, I have so many things I'm wrestling through. And I don't know everybody here, nor am I a prophet, but I know humanity well enough to know 
everyone in here is wrestling. Everyone in here is on a journey. We all need the grace of God to line up with the truth of God. And we will go on that journey with everyone. You name the issue. It exists at Beltway Park. And we will seek to have grace and truth for every person. We like to say it this way. It's okay not to be okay at Beltway Park. But it's not okay to stay not okay. We will journey with you. I I can't say that we have all the answers. I can't say that I know how all this is going to transpire. But I believe in the power of God. I believe in the work of Jesus Christ to set people free. We've seen it thousands of times over. And I make you a promise that we will contend with you. All you have to do is let us know. Somehow, you can come let me know. You can let one of our pastors know. You can let a prayer partner know. You can email it in. I don't care. And we will somehow figure out a way to journey with you as best we can in grace and truth. Let's do this. Let's everyone, North Campus, South Campus, online, why don't we just bow our heads? I know it's a weighty issue. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for the grace of God in my life. When I think about what my life would be like without God's grace intervening, all I can see in my mind, well, it doesn't matter. I can see all sorts of destruction. I can see all sorts of pain. I can see all sorts of issues in my life because I know what the propensities of my life were. And God at an early age gave me grace and gave me enough grace to walk in most of that. And I avoided most of what could have been. Not all, but most because of his grace. I'm so grateful. And I know you're grateful for his grace whenever you interact with him. We just need to be, would you say thankful for it right now? Thank you for your grace with Jesus in my life. And let that common grace be a place of understanding it. This may be one of those things where you say, Jesus, I I don't get this. Guys, there are so many manifestations of sin I don't get. I mean, I, I haven't emotionally felt these things. I haven't had a propensity. But I understand sin. Can we ask God from our commonality as sinners that we have understanding for people, that we have compassion? And just say, God, give me increased grace. And give me wisdom to know how to live in this continuum of grace and truth. We don't know how to dance it. But when we face a situation, would he give us the ability? When we face conversations with people, just talking about issues like this, would we ask him for the wisdom to walk in grace and truth? We don't have to win arguments. We just have to love people. We can state a position without having to convince somebody. We can accept someone without affirming. We don't have to agree. And when we deal with somebody who's wrestling, it may blow your mind that somebody would wrestle in this way, but you got to think back to your own life. Understand sin. And from there, we can wrestle with anyone. Father, I am... I thank you that Jesus would travel through places and he would find the worst of the worst. And he would look at someone like Zacchaeus and say, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I'm going to stay with you today. I've chosen you today. I 
I don't see people that way, God. And I want to. I want that to be natural. And right now I have to choose it. I want grace to choose it, God, but I want it to become natural. I want it to become the essence of who I am. I want to see people in their brokenness and their hurting and the deception and the confusion. I want to see them as you do. I want to feel for them what you feel for them. Give me grace for that, Lord. Change me. Change us to be that kind of place. But we know that can be hard because we have to stand for your ways. And we want to be uncompromising. I want to be a man of truth as well. So I'm going to just need you, Spirit of God, just like you filled Jesus and enabled him to work full, live full of grace and full of truth. Would you empower us to be people full of grace and full of truth? And I ask, oh God, that you would convince any person listening that if they are not right with you, they've not received your grace. They've not been like Zacchaeus who have repented. Would they do so today? They just say today, I'm a sinner. I am a failure that can't fix myself, but Jesus, I embrace everything you did. I give my life to you. May they receive and become a child of God. May we see people turned from every situation in life to become free in you. Because we know if the Son sets us free, we are free indeed. We receive that. We rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen.